Welcome to Mafia, a new podcast telling stories of America's criminal underworld. Gotti assumed the position of head of the Gambino family. And using the name Donnie Brasco, I was able to infiltrate the uh, Bonanno uh, crime family in New York City. Bugsy Siegel is an American mob legend. One man changed the whole texture and landscape of crime in America. Listen to Mafia every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 10, 9, ignition sequence start. Space Nuts. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Space Nuts. Astronauts report it feels good. Hello again, and thanks for joining the Space Nuts. My name's Andrew Dunkley, your host, and with me from the Australian Astronomical Observatory is Dr. Fred Watson. G'day, Fred. G'day, Andrew. How are you going? Still isn't. Really well, you? Still as nutty as ever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's good to hear. Yeah. Uh, We're we're going to talk about a couple of really fascinating things. Uh, It wasn't so long ago that you and I discussed uh, the the X Prize, which was a a prize that was put up to see if somebody in the world could put a um, rocket into space and retrieve it and then do it again. And that was sort of the dawning of a whole new age in, in space transport, if you like, and uh, brought about the creation of Virgin Galactic. But now we're seeing a more business-focused approach to retrievable uh, hardware with the likes of Blue Origin and SpaceX. And we've, we've certainly seen them in the news in recent times with their successes and their failures. It's, it's, it's really going to change the face of uh, space tra- uh, transport, travel and perhaps exploration. Uh, indeed, that's right. And uh, the bottom line in all this, Andrew, really is the dollar, <laughs> yeah. as, it, as it is in so many activities. So currently, uh, if you want to put a spacecraft into orbit, uh, your launch cost, depending on the, you know, what, what the mission is about, and this is uncrewed spacecraft, it's robotic spacecraft rather than people with uh, uh, spacecraft with people in in them but if you want to do that your your launch costs are between about 60 and 150 million dollars us it's it's big money yeah um but it turns out that a great chunk of that uh and in fact uh, really rather a large part of a large fraction of this cost is in the construction of the first stage rocket, the the rocket that really does the heavy lifting work, gets it off the ground and gets it uh, above the Earth's atmosphere and gets it to a velocity that is almost orbital velocity. That's um, about uh, 7.8 kilometres per second. So that first stage is the expensive bit. It's got all the high-tech rocket motors in. Uh, It's got uh, structure that is very, very carefully built. The fuel that it uses is actually not that much. Uh, It's something like $200,000 worth uh, is the fuel. It's the hardware that costs the money. And the daft thing is that at the moment... Pretty well for all launches of spacecraft, we ditch the, the, that rocket uh, uh, actually uh, uh, when it's done its job. It mm, gets which to was the top certainly of the, the case with uh, the space shuttle. I think uh, they kept part of the launch vehicle, but most, Indeed, I think, was kept- ditched. 
they, that's right. They kept the orbiter, but the fuel tanks and uh, rocket motors and all the rest of it, they were they were dumped in the sea. Uh, the, the shuttle, uh, by the way, was a, a much more expensive proposition. Um, uh, you know, uh, you're talking billions of dollars per launch rather than rather than hundreds of millions. It's a, in a different regime. And by the by, they're still using shuttles. They're just not telling us anything about them. <laughs> that's another story altogether. Yes, it is. But we'll get they, to that one one day. Yeah, we will. Yeah. So, so at the moment, the push is on to find a way to bring back the first stage to Earth. And uh, in, I guess the company that is most prominent in this is Elon Musk's company, SpaceX, which is contracted to NASA, in fact, to, to act as a shuttle to take uh, goods uh, and services up to the International Space Station. And they've been doing that very successfully. Uh, so they, they already fly their Falcon 9 rockets up to the space station uh, to deliver uh, material there. But what they're trying to do is do all that but bring the first stage back to Earth. And they've got this system which involves uh, returning the first stage to actually to a, a floating platform uh, on the ocean. Uh, once you've launched the thing into orbit, you bring it back, it stands on its tail with the rocket motors firing and eventually slows down and lands on a, on a platform. Uh, they have not successfully done that yet, although they have done a land-based landing at the end of last year. Uh, they succeeded in December in bringing one of their Falcon 9 rockets back uh, to a, land, uh, a landing on land surface. Uh, they actually were not the first to do that because Blue Origin, who you mentioned earlier, mm. a rather different concern with more modest ambitions. They succeeded in doing that at the end of November last year. They sent a rocket up to what's called the Kármán line. That's the limit of space. It's 100 kilometers above the Earth's surface uh, with a capsule. They detached the capsule that came back down on parachutes and the rocket uh, guided itself back to Earth with, once again, this, uh, this tail-first uh, tail landing uh, using its rocket engines to slow it down and did that very successfully with their new Shepard uh, rocket. So they did it in November. Uh, the reason why there's a big difference between Blue Origin and SpaceX is that Blue Origin's ambitions are all about space tourism, getting people up to 100 kilometers or so and then coming back down again. Now, to do that, you need a velocity of round about one and a half kilometers per second. But that is nowhere near enough to go into orbit. SpaceX are talking about full orbital velocity, uh, 7.8 kilometers per second, and that demands much bigger and gutsier first stages. So uh, the SpaceX challenge is a much more difficult one uh, than Blue Origin. So which, while it appears they're competing, because they tend to be in the news... Simultaneously. In, yeah, like they're leapfrogging <laughs> yeah. each other, but yeah. they have completely different reasons for doing what they're doing. That's right. Yeah. And, and indeed, there's probably an order of magnitude difference in the costs that are being involved, involved, involved too. too, too. So um, to bring the story up to date, Blue Origin have now not only done this once back in November last year, they have flown the same rocket, mo uh, rocket first stage uh, with a capsule once again, uh, which they did on, I think it was the 17th of January. Uh, they 
once again sent their rocket up to 100 kilometers high and brought it safely back to Earth and brought the capsule back as well. So that is a triumph actually along similar lines to what won the SpaceX prize uh, for, for the Virgin Galactic, uh, actually not the Virgin Galactic company, it's a company called Scaled Composites, but they are working with Virgin Galactic. Back in 2004, in fact, that was when that was done. Uh, just remember those an aside, that that is a much more aerodynamic process. They've got a rocket plane rather than a standard first stage booster, which is what we're talking about now. So the details are quite different and, and in many ways what we're seeing now is much more challenging and I think that's why it has taken longer to get to this, to this stage. Yeah. Um, uh, the SpaceX uh, repeat performance almost went to plan. Uh, SpaceX launched um, a satellite using uh, their reusable rocket booster, uh, but when it came back to Earth, uh, land, trying to land on its maritime platform, uh, one of the landing legs uh, came unlatched, and even though it got down safely, the landing leg uh, was was free to, to move, and the thing basically fell over and blew up, <laughs> which is always uh, sad to see. It would but have cost was, them a fortune. That, that's yeah, a huge that, loss, really. That's right. It is a huge loss. Uh, their founder, Elon Musk, um, it rather ruefully said, well, at least the pieces were bigger this time. Uh, it didn't blow itself to bits. Um, I think he's very optimistic, though, that they are almost there with the SpaceX uh, Falcon 9 system. I think we'll see this becoming routine within a year. Mm. We'll see uh, these things landing uh, repeatedly on their maritime platform. And I think it's a great story. It is. And, and what fascinates me is how fast this is happening. It's yes. like um, when you when you consider the Wright brothers and our first official flight being recorded and and now doing this kind of thing. It's just mind-boggling to think that that's all happened so very quickly. Indeed, that's right. I mean, I think we're really just at the start of a revolution in space flight. It's going to bring the costs down significantly. We're able to do much more in space and may even really, along with Virgin Galactic, uh, the Blue Origin concern might well be opening things up for a, a boom in space tourism. Mm. And while people may criticise entrepreneurs, they, they certainly are opening doors that that governments probably wouldn't be prepared to bankroll. That's right. uh, and and when, you, when you look at um, Blue Origin, I mean, it's bankrolled by uh, the fellow that, that uh, owns Amazon.com. I mean, <laughs> exactly. that's a really yeah. interesting connection. That's right. And like, um, you know, like uh, Richard Branson, these guys are putting their money where their mouth is, and uh, good luck to them. I think they're doing a great job. Three, two, one. Space Nuts. You're listening to Space Nuts with me, Andrew Dunkley, and Dr. Fred Watson from the Australian Astronomical Observatory. Uh, we often talk about stars in the sky, uh, Fred, and uh, today we're going to talk about that in conjunction with a uh, recently departed star of, um, well, humanity, I suppose, and that is uh, David Bowie. His death came as quite a shock to many. And there are uh, already people starting to consider ways of honouring him, and one of those ways may be to name a uh, constellation after after David. Uh, and interestingly, the constellation they're focusing on is in the shape of his famous face paint uh, from uh, from one of his great albums. 
Uh, the, that's right. The album was uh, the Aladdin Sane album. It's mm. a lightning flash on the on his face in uh, on the cover of the Aladdin Sane album. So what's happened with this story, uh, Andrew, is that um, a, a little um, a public observatory actually in uh, in Belgium, there in the outskirts of Brussels, they called the Myra Observatory. They, uh, like many astronomically and space-minded people, really thought a lot about David Bowie because of the kind of things he sang about. The, you know, star, Ziggy Stardust and all the rest of it. Ziggy all... Stardust, uh, <laughs> Space Oddity, <laughs> Starman. Right. All mean, of those. He yeah. obviously was in he, some he, way he, fascinated he a, by astronomy. He, he, he should have been on the space nuts with us, you know, <laughs> if we, we could have got him in. Anyway, um, so, you know, they, they wanted to, to mark um, their appreciation of, uh, of David Bowie's life and work. And what they did, in conjunction actually with a local um, Brussels radio station, they, uh, they've set up this, what they call a constellation of seven stars, delineating this, uh, this lightning flash. Um, but it, it, it really is more more than a constellation because this covers a very large area of the sky, uh, winds up with, uh, 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 with Spiker, actually the brightest star in Virgo, the Virgin, which is in the northern hemisphere, and ends up almost at the south pole of the sky in the constellation of Octantis, uh, Octans, the, the Octant. Um, so that immediately tells you, well, it can't be a constellation because the sky's already divided up into 88 constellations recognised by the International Astronomical Union. Mm. Um, you can't go along and register a new one. But uh, there is a let-out because uh, there are things called asterisms, and asterisms are shapes of stars that are commonly recognised, but they sort of transcend constellations. There is something, for example, called the False Cross, which is almost like an echo of our Southern Cross. Uh, it's in the Milky Way, a bit further along from the Southern Cross, but it belongs to two different uh, constellations. It's actually part of, I think it's Vela and Carina, two separate constellations. So that false cross is what we call an asterism, and that's well known. It's not really registered in any way, but everybody knows about the asterism of the the false cross. And I suspect that the David Bowie flash will become a very well-known asterism in the sky, and we'll, we'll see it on, on the web and in uh, astronomy textbooks for the future. So you really do think that they'll, uh, they'll get this across the line? Because you and I have talked about the naming of objects in space and the naming of stars and the naming of exoplanets when, when they're discovered, and it's, it's, it's a process. Uh, and to name it after an individual... in on this kind of scale, I would think would be a difficult, difficult prospect. It's, yes, it won't happen in any um, formal way, Andrew. What we're talking about is something that is widely recognised, it's in the popular culture. Uh, the uber nerds of the International Astronomical Union would, um, would say, well, it doesn't have any formal significance, but they're all probably uh, David Bowie fans as well. So, you know, it would, uh, it would probably be something that they would quietly acknowledge. Yes, indeed. And at least when you look at it, it's got a name and you can associate that with, with somebody of, of great fame and who is greatly loved. And yeah, I exactly. don't think that's a bad thing. Me, me neither. I entirely agree with you. Mm. All right, Fred, lovely to catch up with you again. We'll talk again next week about whatever else is happening in the universe. Thank you again. Sounds great, Andrew. Good to talk. Doc, uh, Dr. Fred Watson from the Australian Astronomical Observatory. And from me, Andrew Dunkley, it's goodbye for this week. And don't forget, 
Space Nuts, available on Facebook and Twitter. Space Nuts. You've been listening to the Space Nuts podcast. Subscribe to the full podcast on iTunes, Audioboom and Stitcher or your favourite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. Welcome to Mafia, a new podcast telling stories of America's criminal underworld. Gotti assumed the position of head of the Gambino family. And using the name Donnie Brasco, I was able to infiltrate the uh, Bonanno uh, crime family in New York City. Bugsy Siegel is an American mob legend. One man changed the whole texture and landscape of crime in America. Listen to Mafia every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows.